Hello! Welcome to the D&D Roundtable presented by The Tome Show. I'm your host, James Intracasso. Please use the affiliate links on thetomeshow.com whenever you shop on Amazon or D&D Classics to help support the show. Just go to thetomeshow.com, click on the links in the show notes for this episode or any other, and then shop as you normally would. Today, we're talking about the new character sheet and codename Morningstar. After all that, we'll have an interview with Benjamin Loons of Sirenscape. But first, let's meet the panel. With me today at the roundtable are Rudy Basso. Hail, listeners. Alex Basso. What's up? And Andrew Kane. Hey, hey, hey. All right, guys. Today's get-to-know-you question for a panel. What was... One of your finest moments at the table outside of combat. Rudy Basso, let's begin with you. It's not really a specific moment, but in general, I'm very proud of myself for always trying to avoid combat with a friendly hail creature. Um, usually it's, it's not very effective. Hail gelatinous cube. Doesn't really work. <laughs> hail like evil undead monster. They usually ignore that greeting. But I still, I pride myself on that ability to open with a smile and a friendly hello. <laughs> and it is it is a good one. And Hail Gelatinous Cube was certainly a fine, fine moment at the table. <laughs> uh, Alex Basso, what was one of your finest non-combat moments at the table? So uh, my finest non-combat moment, uh, unfortunately, is a direct result of my worst combat moment my my only death as a character uh to a wraith which resulted in my character becoming a ghost for the session uh and being a ghost was the most fun i think i've ever had Uh, i possessed a party member uh so i i got to try out the paladin class for a bit uh, and then i interrupted what had to be one of the weirdest DD moments which was a uh, rogue uh, trying to seduce an NPC, and I interrupted right in the middle of that, and was a a woman for a while. It was uh, was trying out a lot of things in that that session. Trying a lot of things, some surprising uh, realizations there too, right? Yeah, I learned a lot. I learned a lot. <laughs> It was certainly a a good time, I agree. Uh, If you have not become a ghost yet, I highly recommend it. Yeah, just just find the wraith, let it kill you, and enjoy. Uh, Andrew Kane, how about your finest moment outside of combat? Uh, You know, it took a little prompting because I was thinking about a lot of little things, and then I forgot about this one big thing, which was in the last campaign I did, which was set in Eberron, I took a... Uh, House Kenneth marked Deva Sorcerer from level 1 to 30. And when I hit epic level, I took over actually uh, one-third of House Kenneth from Merrick's to Kenneth and then proceeded to take over the entire house, destabilize a nation, order an assassination, and several other things, uh, all via email. And actually, uh, James, uh, you'll be happy to know my rough count between the two of us uh, once I became Baron of Kenneth South we had um, 153 emails back and forth. <laughs> Man. <Wow. laughs> that was a scheme in the making for sure. And, uh, and I'd have to say my finest moment within that finest moment was my editorial in the Kornberg Chronicle. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly, exactly. So it just goes to show 
emailing back and forth can certainly create some interesting <laughs> things that happen when you're all together. Uh, <laughs> that was a fun time too. All of these things are I have very fond memories of. These are good choices, guys. <laughs> Speaking of things that we'll have fond memories of, we all love our characters. We can probably name every character we've ever played, even if it's going back 20 years in some cases. And our characters live on character sheets. You like that transition? And the character sheets that are coming with the D&D starter set that the pre-gens will be on were revealed. Specifically, the fighter sheet was revealed. And there's a lot of interesting information in here. It's got two pages. Uh, the first page has everything you would expect on it. It's got all of your stats and armor class and hit points and, uh, you know, your information that you need to know to mechanically play the fighter. And then there's this second sheet where it seems like you're putting a lot of your story information, which I think is really good. And it says, you know, here's what's going to happen when you level up this character. Here's what it means to be a human. Here's what it means to be a fighter. And then it really goes into the, the nitty gritty of this specific character's background and gives them goals that they're going to try to accomplish during the adventure, which I think is really cool. It's almost as if you wouldn't have this second sheet if you were making your own character. You would just have this first one with the mechanical information. And then the second sheet would be up to you to create. But anyway, let's talk a little bit about this sheet. And if you guys like the layout and if you like this idea that it's pushing story forward. And what don't you like about the sheet? Rudy, let's start with you. Uh, I like the sheet. I think it's really uh, well done. I think it's, you know, what's to be expected. Uh, first page is as normally is, you know, everything's laid out for you. Um, I really like the second page specifically for the starter set. I think it'll be great for new players. Specifically, there's one section. Uh, oh, I like that it's a noble, first of all, because noble is the greatest background. Um, <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't mention retainers, but that is easily my favorite background. Um, but there is one really neat detail that they made sure to list, which is as a noble, you can request a meeting with the like leaders of the village. And I think that's really smart for new players because a lot of times they'll be like, well, what do I do? It's laying out something right there. If you're stuck, you can do this. This is something new you can do. And hopefully that'll continue as players begin to, to play more and, um, get more experience with the game, they'll always remember, okay, well, I should list special things that my background allow me to do on my character sheet. So that's always in the back of my mind. So it's a smart move, and uh, I hope it makes people more excited for the story-playing aspects of Dungeons & Dragons. I actually wanted to bring up that retainers thing because I know Rudy loves the noble background. For anybody out there who doesn't know, he loves the noble background and he loves having his retainers. He takes good care of them. I am wondering if this position of privilege that you're talking about where you can request a meeting with a town leader and they'll, you know, make the, the common folk will make efforts to accommodate you and that sort of thing. I'm wondering if that's replaced the retainers in the noble <laughs> background <laughs> as your I benefit. think uh I think that that was listed on the play test as one of the I don't know if it was like expressly written as a benefit 
but it might have been in the fluff that as a noble, you can have more access to higher powered individuals. Once those rules come out, if we find out the noble does not get retainers, we will have an. I'm out. First of all, I'm out of the game. I'm out of the game. <laughs> we'll have a no squire. We'll have a no, thank you. Rudy rants roundtable where you just talk about the whole time how awesome the retainers were. <laughs> but yeah, I I agree with you. I I really do like a lot about this layout, especially on this first page, and I love that you know that thing built in of hey, here's exactly what you can do if you're stuck, especially if they're going with a more open world style with a lot of the pre-published adventures i think that's a great thing to have alex basso what are your thoughts here it's good thoughts are good i love the layout i mean it's so clean uh i mean my favorite thing just right away is look how big the proficiency bonuses are for each stat that look at that it's so much bigger than the number stats. The meaningless part. I don't care if my strength is 16. I want to see that big plus three. So that's awesome. Um, and it's just like how everything together, it just looks so clean. And it's like even this first page, which is mostly mechanical stats, it still has a lot of background. Like they they definitely threw a lot of information onto one page. And it's such like, you know, coming from fourth edition where, I was printing out six, seven-page sheets, obviously including my power cards. But it's like, oh yeah, and there's, there's only you only really need one. It's mm. it's gonna be, it's gonna feel so different. Um, so I really like it. Uh, and then the, obviously, as you said, the, the second page really is it's there for people who are new. It's just uh, information. Like I mean, I don't need to know what a human does. <laughs> so that's really completely unnecessary. But it's I mean, it's great. It's clean. It's uh. It's not too, or it's condensed. I think it's good. Yeah, I think I'm just comparing it right now to my. I'm just been playing a lot of Star Wars mm, uh, mm. Saga Edition. Just comparing them right now, so much nicer. <laughs> when you compare it to the playtest packet character sheet as well, I think this is a big improvement too. You know, I, I think the playtest packet had a lot of clutter and was difficult to understand. And I think I like the clean, simple version that we're getting here. And I do like the emphasis on modifiers over scores in the ability scores. I think that's awesome. Kaner, what are your thoughts? I have two thoughts. One good and one, it's not bad, but it's, I'm curious. Uh, so the first thought is I really like the layout. I think it's a very... It's very clean, but it's also an efficient use of space. I think right now, like the playtest character sheet, there's a lot of, as you said, some of it's confusing. And then on the other side, there's sometimes I feel like there's this giant thing in the middle that could be used more effectively when it comes to storing information. Anyway, I like that it's um, you can get a lot on there, but it's very easily read, uh, kind of highlighting the important information. Um, and I also like a lot of the story-driven stuff, you know, personality traits, ideals, bonds, all that stuff. The one thing that I'm curious about is, and this could be, maybe it's going to be a more dynamic character sheet, and this is because it's the fighter. Uh, I- I'm curious about spells um, and how that'll be tracked, because I'm not seeing as much. I do see the area attacks and spell casting, but I'm just curious if, if you're a primary spellcaster, if the character sheet will look a little different in order to better store that type of information, um, even if it's just what are your spells per day, uh, what level and how many. Uh, so that's just the one thing that I might be missing it, but the one thing that I feel like I'm more curious about as I look at this character sheet, but I also recognize it might be because we're looking at it for a fighter. 
Yeah, I think you're right. I was wondering about that myself. Spells, magic items, as those things begin to build up, and even as you gain more abilities, if you're a druid or a monk or somebody who gets a lot of varied abilities like that, is there enough space here for all of that stuff? Where is everything going to go? And right. I do think there's some things that I I guess you know, you'll be able to explain to people, like the circles on the side of the saving throws and skills column, uh, you're supposed to fill in those circles to indicate proficiencies, but it doesn't really say that anywhere. You just sort of intuitively figure it out because this is a pre-gen, but it would be hard to know if you just handed a new person a blank character sheet that, oh, these circles mean something and you can actually do stuff with them and they can be a helpful indicator for you. Um, but I do, uh, overall, I like the layout. I think this is very smart. I wonder if they got a lot of pushback because that playtest one was all over the place and they wanted to make something look a little more clean. So this is what they did. <laughs> Love it. Love it. I'll just say that I'll actually use it. I've been using a text document as my character sheet for the past like year and a half. So <laughs> Yes, I have as well. And while I do love the open-endedness of the text document, I think that with this new layout, it looks, uh, it looks enough that I'll, uh, I'll be moving over to it. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of people are using loosely for text documents or whatever when they're playing. So this is going to be a big help. So from that, we're going to move on to a slightly more mystical topic because not everything has been released. Codename Morningstar, which is the official companion to the Dungeons & Dragons tabletop RPG. Sounds like we know there's going to be a character builder that helps you generate it, and it sounds like this application can live on your phone or a tablet or that sort of thing, so you can bring it to the table, and it may also be useful for virtual tabletop play, but there hasn't been a ton of new information since we talked about this, but there is some, and... I think we should delve into that. We don't know anything about release date or pricing model yet. We know that within the next few weeks, there will be beta signups starting. And, you know, they have confirmed a character sheet with a character builder and that you will be able to grab it offline too if you're in an area where you can't get, you know, you can't connect to a network of sorts. Um, and then there's also going to be DMs will be able to track stories and notes and combat. And, you know, they say that they'll be able to bring up maps and treasure and all sorts of elements to help them play. So we don't have a, like a ton of information about everything that's going to be out there. It sounds, you know, we've been promised a lot in the past before and not everything has always come to fruition, but let's talk about this. Let's talk about guys. What do you think this is and what's it going to be? And are you happy with it? Would you like it to see, be something more than what you imagine? Would you like it to be something less? Are you going to use it at all and we will start with you alex basso oh it's uh, i'm still trying to figure out what it is exactly <laughs> i mean it, it could be crazy could be awesome could be something that you know just completely replaces character sheets um i mean initially just looking at like the home page you know it shows a tablet someone's interacting with a tablet it's got a bunch of tabs on the bottom for campaigns adventures it just seems like it might be you know instead of a character sheet bring your tablet um and you'll be able to switch between all of your characters um maybe keep 
you know, journals or group pages tracking, you know, what's going on. It just seems like something that, you know, hopefully, you know, when you play D&D, that's all you need to bring to the table. You know, bring your, your tablet with Morningstar and uh, you're set. You can catch up on everything. You can, it'd be really cool if you can interact with other players through the tablet who also have Morningstar, like secretly, maybe send mes- messages. How cool would that be, right? <laughs> I mean, that, that's getting awesome. a little ahead of myself. I, I was just thinking about DM sending sending private messages. That, that could be really cool. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it, the fact isn't that useful. Uh, you know, we'll really have to wait for the beta. Um, and one other thing, I don't like the name. Are they going to drop code name from it? Uh, just, just keep Morningstar. I don't like code name. I think I imagine that that's sort of they, like they Blue Harvest. It's not going to be eh. either code name nor Morningstar. Morningstar wouldn't be bad though. Morningstar would. Not yeah. be bad, but... <laughs> well, what would you choose, Rudy? Dungeons and Dragons online compendium. <laughs> uh, it's got a good ring it's got a good ring <laughs> uh, yeah that i mean that would say what it is for sure which would be nice uh Kaner, what do you think this is going to be and how is it going to affect your life as a gamer i don't you know i don't know what it's going to be in the sense of i'm trying really hard to temper my expectations because i think it would be very easy to be like oh wouldn't it be cool if it was these things and then you get really excited about what it might be what it possibly could be and then it's just a character sheet Basically, and that could be disappointing. Um, I do, you know, having used uh, the the character builder in the past, a functionality like that is really great. Um, I'm always forgetting things uh, when it comes to adding in, you know, rolling for hit points, adding in, you know, because you've leveled up. So having a device or system that can help me with that is always a bonus, in my opinion. Um, I am curious, you know, again, thinking back to my finest moment, you know, all of the communications we had about what was going on behind the scenes with my character. I think it would be really cool if there was some kind of platform that helped manage that, but kept it all in one place. Not that email is so difficult that I couldn't figure it out, but it would be kind of neat if it was, if you had this while you were at the, you know, playing the game and you were able to just quickly reference that stuff and it was all kind of housed in one tool. Uh, and it could be helpful looking at the character sheet when you're looking at your motivations, your bonds, your all those things. It might be an interesting way to kind of link up those things more clearly. Yeah, it might have that obsidian portal quality of you being able to track everything that's going on, which would be pretty cool. Like, And to have that combined with your character sheet and everything that's right there, that would be pretty cool to do and then as a dm you can bring stuff up and show it to people and that does sound like a lot of fun i do hope there is that connectivity aspect you know that you can connect with everybody you're near rudy what are you thinking i think that's what it is obsidian portal with built-in dungeons and dragons specifics regarding rules and player characters and what have you i think that's it um yeah i mean they do say right here in the faq which would just came out that it's exclusively for the fifth edition of D and D. Yeah. I think that's what we're mostly looking at. Um, that is kind of a downer that fourth ed players won't have something this cool. Yeah. That's, that's, I think it's just going to be an online portal that you can use that's specific to dragons. Uh, I hope that there's some sort of battle map as well included. I think that would be the one feature that I would look forward to must. Mm. Otherwise I, uh, 
I don't even know if I would get something like this, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, especially because character creation is a lot simpler in 5th edition. You know, exactly. You don't, you don't need it the way you sort of need it for 4th edition characters. Yeah. I mean, once you know your character uh, down in terms of what you're capable of and all your roles and things like that, there's no real reason to to have to constantly be looking up rules. You know what I mean? Let me ask you a quick question. This is a side note, not really on topic, but you said fourth edition players. Do you think that there's going to be a lot of players in who stick with 4E out there? Oh, yeah. It's such a different game. It's such a different game. And uh, I don't blame them. It's still a really fun game. And I, I it's ironic because they could use a tool like this more than fifth edition players. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they absolutely could because the game is so different and requires exactly. tracking. I do think the story tracking elements are huge, uh, particularly for game masters. I think that's going to be pretty big. So we'll see how all of that plays out. I'm pumped to check it out. Yes. James, I'm I'm wondering if, you know, I think about when we play with you and what a good job you do of compiling information and sending out recaps and you've got the kind of wiki of NPCs and places and everything. Are you hopeful that this might be helpful in managing that type of information? Yes, I am very hopeful that 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 will be the case. But at the same time, if it's not a thing that's going to, if it's only going to make my life easier, and then for you to access that information, everybody else has to pay a monthly fee or that kind of thing. And it's like, ah, eh, we wouldn't really use this. You could just email us this info. It's not a thing I think I would ask my players to get if that's all it is. Demand. Yeah. And that's why you were wise, James. <laughs> Their takeaway from Origins? Oh, I wanted to mention something about that. A lot of gamers that. Uh, are willing to go to conventions, liked it. So that's, that's, there were two things that stood out for me. One, um, Hobo the Delightful was the name of the person that was posting it. And I think that's kind of lame. I think if you want to sound professional, you should use your real name, not Hobo the Delightful. Um, (laughs) And then I actually was pleasantly surprised at all the positive feedback they got. I would imagine people at Origins would be the most critical Yet mm-hmm. they received almost zero one-star reviews or one-star recommendation to friends. So that's actually a, a nice thing to look forward to, possibly. Yeah, I agree. I think that's good news. It's a question of, of course, at the convention to try it out. It's free, and they don't know what their pricing model is going to be yet. So mm-hmm. I think that may change things once people uh, actually have to shell out some money. But it is good news. And they, you know, they're referring to it as a tool set. So it sounds like we're going to see more than than just a character builder at launch, which I think is is great too. Just one thing: if there is like connection functionality, I really hope it's not restricted to like other people on Wi-Fi and that they have some sort of servers or way to connect to people. Because otherwise, we really wouldn't be able to use it as our online gamers. Uh, I'm sorry. Explain that a little. Like, yeah. What? If we could, if there was a way to connect to other users with Morningstar. Oh, I'm hoping, I see what you're saying. Like, yeah, say you can link up with another, like your party, because there is a tab that says parties. Who knows? But I'm hoping if they do do something like that, which again is me being very optimistic, as you guys, Rudy doesn't seem to think they'll do something like that. Um, I hope it's not restricted to maybe like only people who are connected to the same Wi-Fi, or you know, or maybe it's Bluetooth. I'm hoping that being, you know. If we play from across the state, across you know the entire East Coast, that we'll have a way to be able to connect to each other if we do decide to get this codename Morningstar. 
It sounds cool, guys. And speaking of digital tools, why don't we hear uh, an exciting announcement about a new product from Sirenscape's Benjamin Looms? Roll the interview. Rolling. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Benjamin, thanks for being here today. I appreciate it. It's a pleasure. I had such a fantastic time last time. I've just been listening to the uh, our last interview and thinking how awesome we are and how fun we sound and interesting. So uh, <laughs> everyone's in for a treat, I assure you. Yeah, exactly. And if you want to hear how awesome we are, I'll link this uh, previous <laughs> podcast in the show notes for us so people can hear part one. This is part two of our ongoing Sirenscape series with Benjamin. So, uh, <laughs> so Benjamin, last time you were on the podcast, you talked about this uh, partnership that you guys are doing with Pathfinder, and we're definitely going to get to that, and we're going to get to a lot of more exciting announcements. But for those who may have missed it, give us the short version. What is Sirenscape, and how can people use it in their game? Yes, of course. So Sirenscape creates dynamic movie soundtrack-like sound and music for your tabletop games. So instead of trying to put on the Star Wars soundtrack and hoping that you get the right sort of track and it going to the death march at the wrong point, and uh, uh, you actually can just, just if, you, if you're in the dungeon, you just hit dungeon and it creates a spooky kind of wind, the occasional monster roar, and every now and then a slightly unsettling song will come in. And then if goblins are attacking, you just hit goblin attack and suddenly you You've got bottles being thrown and fireworks and explosions and goblins laughing and singing. And then, you know, if you, if you suddenly, if your players arrive in a market town, you just hit market and the whole sound design and is there. And the whole point of Sirenscape is non-repetitive. It never, it never, it's not just a 10 minute loop trap track of uh, the same sorts of sounds over and over again, but it's all dynamically controlled. All the sounds are spread randomly at random distances and random directions and different sound every time. I think that's probably a fairly good explanation, do you think? Yeah, I think that's a perfect explanation. So it's something <laughs> that, like I said last time, I've wanted for a long time. Now I've got it. It's awesome. I definitely recommend people check it out. It's, I mean, <laughs> it's free. You can check it out for free. You know, so. That's right. That's one of the main things. So people can check it out on their system, whether it be Mac or PC or Android tabs or iPad and make sure that the internet connection is working properly and it's all downloading and yeah, so, so you can really check it out. And you, there's two big sound sets. There's a, a big battle sound set and a really spooky forest sound set there as well. So you can see whether you like it, which which of course you will. And if people want more details, yeah, I definitely recommend the last interview because we actually talked in quite a lot of detail about how it works and everything like that. Yeah, absolutely. So check that out. And uh, for those of you who have heard that last interview or who want to know a little bit more about what's going on in the Sirenscape world now, Mm -hmm. Benjamin, you've got this exciting partnership that you guys are doing with Pathfinder for their Rise of the Rune Lords adventure path. Uh, Talk to me a little bit about that. How's that working out? And what's the idea there? That's right. So yeah, last time we couldn't talk about it because it was uh, just about to come out and we'd agreed to announce it together and everything. <laughs> I I went to uh, PaizoCon last year in 2013. Uh, they didn't really know who I was. They agreed to just meet together with me for 15 minutes. You know, they're obviously wondering, is this going to be a complete waste of time or whatever, but they're, they're great guys. And they just, we went to a room in the middle of the con and I just handed Sirenscape to them on a tablet and said, have a play. And Eric Mona, just was just going, oh my God, this is so great. Oh, oh and just poking things and ah, ah. And uh, the, 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 uh, the wonderful thing was we kind of got Sirenscape working finally in the form that he was playing with it, you know, as I kind of caught the plane. 
and uh, it certainly wasn't running 100% smoothly then, and uh, it didn't it didn't crash in his hands or anything, which is really fantastic. <laughs> and and then for the months after that, we yeah we ended negotiations uh, with maybe doing some license contact with Pfizer. I, I'm an absolute uh, pathfinder. Uh, enthusiast and fan, the whole, you know, whether that's D20 or 3.5 or whatever. Um, I started playing first edition Dungeons and Dragons. So if it's, if it's Dungeons and, and Dragons and Goblins and things, then I'm a total fan. And, and yeah, what, what Pizer have done with, uh, with this is sort of this world famous role playing game, I've really, really loved. So it always made a sense for us to partner with them. And yeah, throughout of, you know, maybe six months of negotiations with them, working out what we could do together and what might be really great value for the fans and for people's tables, we eventually agreed together that supporting Adventure Pass might be a great idea. One of my good friends, Nathan, who, who really thinks, thinks all the time, is always ringing me up and, and going in my ear, says, just said to me lots of times, what people want is a no-brainer solution for their sessions. So if they're going to run Rise of the Rune Laws, they don't want to have to think about you know, you do, they don't have to think about what they're going to have to prepare sound-wise. They don't want to have to do a whole lot of work sort of getting all bits and pieces from everywhere. If there's just, if they can just get the Rise of the Rune Lord sets, plop it on their device and hit go for Sandpoint. And then hit go for the speeches. And then hit go for the Goblin Attack. So um, that's what we've done. So we've basically got in, in this... In this Paizo license stuff, we have a complete solution. If you're playing Burnt Offerings, you've got every sound you need. You just have to have a finger free sort of once every 15 minutes or so. But what's really great, of course, in, in, in going through the process of releasing each of the chapters of Rise of the Rune Lords and then eventually um, lots of other adventure paths, is, is you get, we're going to cover um, lots and lots of the famous, uh, you know, quintessential Pathfinder monsters. You know, we're going to cover, obviously, in this one we've covered uh, spoiler alert, we've covered goblins, which won't be much of a spoiler for many people, <laughs> but um, uh, yeth hounds and bar guests and oh. all sorts of different, all sorts of different monsters, bunyip, uh, you know, lots and lots of different monsters. So w we're basically using it as a vehicle to give people the complete solution for, for their Pathfinder games, uh, but, but gradually. And we get to use the fantastic art and tie our product in with, with Paizo's amazing you know, community, and uh, that's been really, really great for us. And it's really going off, actually, since we released it just a couple of weeks ago. So, yeah, it's very cool. Yeah. Yeah, and the thing that's very cool about it is you're able to use all those sounds and, uh, you know, sets outside of the adventure path mm. as well. So it's, a, it's mm. good news um, for everybody out there because those Pathfinder monsters are also quintessential D&D yeah. monsters and, and every other fantasy role-playing game. Yeah. So, you know, it's great for all of the Pathfinder fans out there. It's great if you're playing this adventure path, which sounds awesome. The, the plot of it yeah. sounds amazing. So I it is really, really fantastic. And yeah, we played it with the Dice Stormers, um, you know, to test out my new sounds. And I've really, really loved it. There's a heck of a lot of information which kind of makes my brain explode. But as you as you play more and more of it, you start to be able to take in lots of the different NPCs. And there's just such an amazingly rich world. You know, just the town of Sandpoint itself is filled with fantastic people and characters and all these sort of subplots and relationships and all that sort of stuff, which is really great. And, yeah, look, one of the sound sets in, in the Burnt Offerings uh, pack is the Glassworks. 
which is a which is a place which um, spoiler is infested by goblins. And you know, as, as you make your way through the glassworks, you get closer and closer to these great big furnaces, which are roaring with you know you can, you can hear the furnaces creaking with the heat, and you can hear hisses as water splashes on them. And so that location, just in and of itself, you could base any adventure around and insert a glassworks into any campaign, and you've you've got a fantastic sort of really evocative location that is quite quite disturbing and you know if you if you want goblins to be infesting it then you just use the sound set as it is if you want uh, bugbears to be there as, as you know James you can you can com- you can combine uh, the different the different uh, moods in Sirenscape really really easy and combine different sounds from different um, sound sets together and you can you can make yeah bugbears in the glassworks or you can make a dragon in the glassworks or whatever so yeah, it's really really high, highly adaptable and, and useful and that's we've really aimed to be serving everyone not just people playing Rise of the Runelords because that would be crazy <laughs> well and it's great because you really can the modularity of this thing is insane you can go mm. into the dragon set and take some things from there and then go in to you know the the bugbear battle for when the bugbears show up to help you fight the dragon but they're also yeah. fighting you know what i mean like you can yeah. combine everything and it's not just monster sounds you can get like you were saying spooky forest sounds and all that kind of mm. stuff mm. what mm. comes in the burnt offerings which is the first chapter of rise of the rune lords what comes in that sound set what what sounds mm. so there's a pack for for each chapter of an adventure path we'll be releasing a pack of about five sound sets and the first sound set will if, if you if you've got an adventure path in front of you if you look at um, burnt offerings it's, it's broken into five chapters essentially one based uh just all around that initial encounter at the uh swallowtail festival so so that sound set in, includes a general sort of ambience for the town a couple of one shots including the thunderstone that is struck to begin the speeches which is actually, oh, I won't spoil, no. <laughs> Don't spoil! And then the Swallowtail release, which is this fantastic one-shot of these big, big uh, fat butterflies all flying all around everyone. And then it, that transitions into the uh, into a goblin battle, which includes a goblin pyro um, mood, which includes lots of explosions, and then there's a goblin commander. And so that's one sound set, and then there's a sound set for the glassworks, and then there's a sound set for the catacombs, which are beneath the glassworks. Oh, yeah, I missed one. There's a sound set for the local heroes, which includes some of those sort of uh, getting to know Sandpoint sort of encounters. It's really, really important when you're playing a role-playing role game to care about the town that you're in to give you some sort of motivation for actually, you know, saving it rather than just sort of going, oh, well, stuff, this is, is pretty spooky, I'm out of here. And so there's actually a whole sound set to support all those lovely encounters that they've got in Burnt Offerings where you get to meet local shopkeepers and you get to know, um, yeah, the, the, the lordly lord and all that sort of stuff. And there's a couple of really fantastic inns in that sound set as well. Um, wow. Rita's Place and the Dragon Inn, which, which is really great. And then there's a sound set for, for Thistletop. Uh, I can't play that, apparently. Thistletop. Um, so, yeah, so, so basically there's a sound set to match every different encounter. Uh, not every encounter, every, every sort of chapter of that book. And then, yeah, everything's sort of covered all together. That's incredible. That's so hmm. are you, and, and you're doing one of these for each chapter of the Adventure Path, uh, which has six chapters. Are, are you That's the right. only guy working on this? Who is, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're bringing them out once every two months. It gives, it gives the team, and I am, I am indeed bringing in some other sound designers, which is fantastic. Uh, there's, a, there's a great guy um, called Gil Luna, 
he's actually helping us mainly with our sci-fi stuff, which is really fantastic. But uh, he's he's also got a really great ear for sound design. So yeah, I've got I've got about a month to get these together, and then I get them to Paizo about a month before we want to release them, and then they spend uh, you know some time listening to them, and they come back with really full on uh, criticism and advice and questions, which are, is really fantastic. One of the things I love about Paizo is the way they engage with their third-party people and really uh, they're very passionate about making sure that any product that their name's associated with is uh, of really high quality and that's a huge benefit to, to me. Once you've been listening to a certain you know, sound ambience for you know, several hours, your, your whole uh, objective uh, judgment sort of has kind of gone and bled away and sort of, oh, no. <laughs> so being able, to send it, being able to send it to those guys and having, you know, the, the actual CEO of Pfizer sit down and, and listen to it and give her opinion is fantastic. So, yeah, so we've got two months, which is, which is definitely long enough to get them out. So I download the, the free sound sets and I'm thinking yeah. about downloading this for the Adventure Path and I want to see more how it, uh, you know, how it integrates. So I check you out with the Dice Stormers. Who are the Dice Stormers and uh-huh. why would I go check you out? <laughs> if, if you want to laugh at people having an absolute ball and, and telling really dramatic stories, then yeah, come and visit us on, on YouTube. You just search for Dice Stormers. The Dice Stormers are my gaming group. We were just playing our games together and uh, we thought for some crazy reason that people might want to watch us play. And uh, a whole heck of people do want to watch us play, which is really fantastic. We, we play Pathfinder. We, we're playing through Rise of the Rune Lords featuring the sound packs um, so you can actually hear them actually totally functioning exactly what they'll be like at the table. You can see me driving them. You'll be able to watch how much attention Sirenscape takes, which is almost none. Uh, you'll be able to see the actual natural reactions of players to them. And we also play Star Wars and we play Call of Cthulhu. And uh, the recent game that's just come out is a Cosmic Patrol game, uh, which is really, really very, very funny. Um, John and Nathan and I played uh, this game, which is schlock, sort of 70s, 80s sci-fi. And we have the Rimmer salute, which is that swing your arm around 10 times and then whack yourself in the forehead salute. And, and we have all sorts of crazy stuff going on. We were really in highly silly moods and we have a lot of fun. We aim in the Dice Stormers to always go for the epic moments, always go for the cinematic moment, you know, whether it's sort of tactically appropriate or not or, or mathematically ideal. Uh, we're always really, really keen to go for those those big moments that are going to create epic epic failures or epic successes, and uh, we have a lot of fun doing it. And my my players, when I'm when I, when they're being my players and I'm GMing, they have a, a great uh, we have a great investment in the story and in progressing the story and assisting each other's sort of ideas. There's no sense of competition at the table, which is really fantastic. And yeah, look, we just have an absolute ball and. For some strange reason, people uh, have been watching us, which is really fantastic. And, you know, I've been thinking about this um, recently. Why? Because because there's about 10 to 1 people watching us at the moment. So every day that goes past, 10 days of us playing is watched, huh. which, which if you think about it, it means there's 10 people sitting watching me uh, role play on the Dice Stormers right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I used to have this line, which is like, what are you doing with your life? But I, I was thinking about it, you know. Watching people role play on on YouTube, well, it's like it's like reading a book, isn't it? You know, you're reading a narrative and you 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 imagine everything in your head and everything. But it's but it's more than that because you're actually hearing the book read out. So okay, so it's like it's like a it's like a you know a spoken word book, so you can actually just listen to it. But then it's more than that because we've actually got different people playing different characters. But then it's more than that. You've actually got it's it's kind of got a improvised theatre, you know, theatre sports, uh, whose line is it now kind of thing going on. 
you know, but it's more than that. It's almost like reality television where, you know, people are being put on the spot and, you know, becoming scared. And, and then there's these incredible moments at our table and everyone's gaming table, obviously, but you get to watch us where, where everything comes down to a single die roll and someone rolls the dice. And we've had, you know, incredible moments of jubilation and release and, and ecstatic, you know, hilarity and people get to watch that. So I've actually stopped, you know, apologizing for people watching us and, uh, and, and starting to think, well, actually, maybe it's an art form, which is kind of a bit of a, a radical statement. You know, maybe, maybe this is actually something that's valid and uh, interactive. And what's really great is we don't only do it like a, like a television series where people just watch us and receive it, but there's this amazing community, you know, that now interacts with us via, you know, comments and emails and stuff. And, and, you know, corrects our, our, our rule um, foibles, which is very hilarious, <laughs> especially Nathan's, Nathan's tendency to, to get a hell of a lot more out of a spell than was ever originally intended, uh, which is, which is, you know, a, a great skill of a, a great skill of a player. Um, and, uh, yeah, so we get corrected and, and people ask us to play games and all that sorts of things. So yeah, that's the dice stormers. And, and for some people, for some reason, people are liking it, which is really cool and, and fun and we're all show offs. So we we definitely appreciate that. <laughs> Well, it sounds like a lot of fun and I'm not surprised, you know, that idea of people watching gaming groups is is definitely on the rise. People listen to podcasts of people playing, people, you know, at cons watch live games all the time, you know, so I think it is, I think you're right, it is becoming a little bit of a performance art, which is really cool. And, yeah. and I used to think, well, it's a long time to spend, but you know, our, our games are broken into one hour episodes. So if we, if we play for three or four hours in an evening, well, they're all just one hour episodes and that's, you know, like just watching a television show. So it's, it's not actually a, a long time either. And, and look, we, we really try to keep progressing. One of the, one of the main reasons we make horrendous rule, uh, stuff ups is because we we like to flow you know we, we don't want people to sit and wait while we sort of clarify a rule. Right. every now and then i do play i do play with my players and not on camera but we actually stop and clarify every rule just just for our own education and that that's also a fun thing to do but uh, not not so much to watch so yeah so we really think of it as a performance and we it's interesting we we try not to talk over the top of each other, which which is something we've discovered is is really really important. Because as soon as you know, there's two different conversations going at the same time. You can't understand it, you can't hear it. I, I, and I've also learned as a as a game master, if you look back at the very early videos of us on the Dice Stormers, you'll hear that I say kind of all the time. And there are several sentences of me saying, so there's there's kind of this golden kind of like a, a kind of like a river, which is kind of shiny, and it's kind of it's kind of coming across the floor, and you kind of like you're like kind of whoa, and you kind of you know, and I was, I was just listening there, going, oh my god, oh what am I doing? So yeah, it's really interesting. <laughs> the effect that the audience has had on us in, in a really good way. So yeah, fascinating, really fascinating process for us as gamers. And it's been great to have a community along the way too. I pick up on my own speech ticks yeah. as well. And I try to now eliminate those yeah. from what I'm doing. So yeah. uh, it doesn't always work out. Absolutely is a big thing I always say. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Um, I heard myself going up at the end of some sentences in the last one that I was just listening to, which is a really Australian thing to do. When you make a statement like it's really good. But you go up at the end of the sentence, and I never thought I ever did that ever, ever, ever. But if you listen, it's like I, I just a bit. I'm just doing it, which is really <laughs> funny. So yeah. <laughs> we also played recently. We've been playing stuff from the Red Box, and we've been playing games like we're 15 and, and like we've never played before. And so we ha- we had rules, which was I wasn't allowed to do any creative description. I could only essentially read from the book. <laughs> and um, I love the best thing was Nathan's description of him. I. I am I am a wizard and I have a hat. 
And that was it. That, that, that was his that was his character background and description in its entirety, which is so funny. And then we, we in the second session of the first Ed game, we we just end up trying to kill everybody. And whoever died had to come back and, and their character was exactly the same and had all the same stats and all the same equipment as the person that's just died, except they had to be called Andrew. And so, so more and more of the party beca- came to be called Andrew, which became increasingly ridiculous, which is really cool. So yes, so that's why if, you, if, if any of that appeals to you in any way, uh, we have def- all sorts of different flavors in the Dice Dormers. We have, yeah, playing through Rise of the Lords, which we take reasonably seriously. And then we have, yeah, Star Wars games. And then we have, yeah, really um, actual uh, parodies on, on our own playing styles and things like that. So yeah, so check it out and say hi because it's just so wonderful having having the community there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it sounds like a lot of fun. Do you think the fact that the cameras are on you are what drive you to take more risks with your characters or is that just the kind of group you always had and now there are cameras there? Um, definitely both, absolutely. We, we have a couple of times introduced, no, only once actually, a couple of times probably introduced other players to the game and discovered that they are quite concerned with tactical, you know, um, idealness and, and, and actually discovered quite a conflict, you know, because if, if, if one player at your table is really loves to role play because they love to actually be able to plan everything out and have control of a situation and execute a plan and have it succeed. And you've got, you know, three other players at your table who actually do that quite a lot in their life, you know, and, and, and like to do the right thing and like to be appropriate in their life and role play to just go for it and just to do the wrong thing sometimes. And you've actually got a real issue at your table. So I think it was definitely a, a style thing at our own table amongst our own group. But then, yes, absolutely. Having the cameras there means that we want to make things flow on. And um, I think as we've as we've aged as players in a group, I think we trust each other quite a lot and we're actually quite prepared to put ourselves at extreme risk and and even you know even be torn to shreds. Um, play, play, player death is 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 you know reasonably rare, but it, it has definitely occurred, especially in our one e games, which are you know as as you probably know if you've ever played one e, uh, yeah. uh, unbelievably deadly. It's like okay, you get to save first poison, and if you fail, you die. Oh, seriously? Yes. But you know what? You, you get to roll because you get to roll a one d six because you'll die in one d six rounds. So. <laughs> <laughs> so before you die, you can do several things, and then you'll die. <laughs> so yeah. So and and we played a um we played a Wild West um adventure called Boot Hill, and I had this fantastic character called um, Clementine Channer, and she <laughs> I thought a lot about her and worked on her accent a lot, and I really became fond of her, and she just got shot in the head, and it's like. Oh yeah, the system says, uh, "Oh yeah, you're dead," as would be kind of totally fair if you got shot in the head. So sorry, you're dead. And I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> um, uh, and that and that was totally cool, which was fun. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a lot of fun, uh, and it is mm. a lot of fun to watch. So people should definitely check mm. that out. We'll also link that in our show notes. Mm. Back to mm. Sirenscape for a mm. little bit. Mm. Do hmm. you guys think now that you've got this partnership with Paizo, do you are you open to partnerships with other people? Particularly, it seems like Wizards, who a lot of our listeners are concerned with, uh, Wizards hmm. of the Coast recently teamed up with Cobalt Press to put out their first adventure path, and they're they're doing a lot 
of uh, it seems like they're doing a lot more reaching out they're not keeping mm. everything self mm. self-contained is that yeah. something you would be open to working with wizards think, and other companies i think i think what we want to do is is um is cover the d20 monsters you know in their entirety and make sure that sirenscape's completely relevant to, to anyone who's playing you know dungeons dragons or pathfinder or any swords and sorcery um, and yeah, and t- totally at the moment we're, we're wedded to Paizo and that's a fantastic relationship. So we're really enjoying that and putting tons and tons of energy into that. But, but yeah, we're re- it's really important, obviously, that this product um, is totally relevant to anyone playing. You know, so, so, so if your game has medieval towns and carts and, and goblins and, and dungeons and, uh, yeah, it, you know, dragons and bugbears, then, then you're going to be able to use Sirenscape. And so that's, that's really important to us. And, and that is, is totally the case. What we are working on at the moment is, is partnerships for our sci-fi players. So we've got a sci-fi player, which is just about to come out. We're, we're literally, our artist is literally painting the uh, icon, which will uh-huh. be very much like our, very much like our, um, Sirenscape icon at the moment. Ariane Elliott is her name. Um, we should link in, in your show notes to her her sort of half done little site where you can see some of her art, but she's just amazing. Seriously. Every time she, we ask her to draw something for us, it just comes back better than I could possibly imagine. <laughs> so she's done a silhouette for my, um, sci-fi girl and, you know, our sci-fi version of the siren. And it's just incredible. And, um, yeah, so everyone will be able to see that soon. What was I talking about? Yes. Yeah, that, that's why, that's why the sci-fi player doesn't, hasn't come out because we don't have an icon. So once that's done and probably by the time people are hearing this show, it'll probably be done. So, and then we're, we're doing, you know, nebula and engine room and, you know, space fight and hangar and all those sorts of things. And then we're, yeah, we're actually already in discussion with, with a couple of the larger, um, yeah, uh, sort of sci-fi gaming companies about partnershiping with one of them. That's so amazing. it just gives us, yeah, it just kind of gives us a theme and a, and a kind of a line to go along and, and gives us access to some art as well, which is really fantastic. So yeah. And, and, and really other audiences and things like that. So that's very exciting. So yes. And the sci-fi player will be just like the, the fantasy player, except it will be just a complete solution for your sci-fi game. And yeah, we used it in the Cosmic Patrol game that we played the other day. So you can, if you want to hear what it's like, just go to Dice Stormers and search for Cosmic Patrol and uh, you can hear me uh, uh, yeah, using all my one-shots and, and spacey sounds and it's lots of fun. Yeah, so that's very exciting. So yeah, so that's what we're doing. So we're sticking with with Pfizer at the moment in terms of fantasy, but obviously that 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 doesn't stop us at all um, covering every every D twenty monster we could possibly imagine, or, or fifth edition or ninth edition or whatever. Fourth edition really did bring a lot of players in, which is fantastic, and a lot of you know people who never played before. And without that kind of you know three inches of rulebook kind of you know stopping you like there was you know like there is in third edition games, I think that's a really great thing. So. Just all strength to this this new edition, and I love that Wizards are, are releasing uh, the PDF, you know, free. So we should be able to try try it really easy. That's that's a fantastic move and a really good direction and feel for the hobby. So, and look, I honestly think this hobby is growing. I, I think with within you know obviously the rise of the geek um, and then exposure of of these hobbies on some of these geek shows. You know, obviously Big Bang is what I'm talking about, um, and and you know community and things like that. And I and I think with the increasing digitization of people's sort of you know community experiences, I think the whole gathering around a table thing is really actually on the rise, which is fantastic because obviously Dungeons and Dragons was huge, and then birth the whole sort of computer rpg sort of gaming you know sort of world which is absolutely fantastic you know i'm i'm halfway through playing um 
uh, Mass Effect 2 at the moment oh. now after having Mass Effect 1. You know, fantastic. And these things were born literally out of those uh, those tabletop role-playing games. And I think now that that's all established itself, people are sort of longing for that personal contact and that that free narrative, in, in, you know, improvisatory, you know, no one has to win the game against the other people kind of thing. And that's, yeah, really exciting to me. Exactly. And I do think the community, it's nice to see the community coming together. I know for a while there were big divides. You play this, I play that. Now it seems like more and more people are playing everything, which is really nice. Because until, you know, until we're like as popular as a a major professional sport, you can't really pick a team. And, you know, we all need to be together in this thing. Yeah, yeah. And look, there's one thing I've discovered about the community is, is they're just incredibly supportive and positive and uh, engaged as well. So, you know, just every day I'm getting emails just saying, oh, my God, I just love what I found. And, you know, but, you know, from from people who then go on to list sort of 20 things that are wrong with it they want, that they want fixed, which is absolutely <laughs> fantastic to, to people who are, you know, English, you know, third language or whatever, and sort of give me this mangled version of how awesome it is. You know, someone said the other day, I, I was confronted by your by siren by your sirenscape and you know it's really good i'm like wow that's fantastic so yeah and, and the community is really yeah really positive and that's green it's obviously incredible to receive those emails every day and really encouraging to me so thank you everybody <laughs> yeah it's awesome and it is an awesome product so i'm glad that it's being recognized mm. and people are, are using it because hopefully it sticks around for a long long time um mm. you I know hope so. <laughs> and we get lots of really it's it's amazing that uh you know I, I every time i look at this thing i think how could they come out with another sound set like it seems like they've done everything and you just keep mm churning them out and it's awesome it's awesome that yeah. you know the seaside and have, town and all that kind of stuff it's great yeah that's right and i have this massive list of places that people ask for you know so swamps and oh, I sh- I sh- I'll, I'll bring it up while we chat but um the the best the, the best thing we've done recently is a subscription which is what something that people have been asking for so in in the past you've had to kind of comb through our our list of sound sets and kind of decide what you want and you could buy them in packs Mm. and sort of stuff like that, which were like $20 for five uh, for six sound sets and various different combinations. And what we've just recently released is a subscription, which is, and, and that's in tandem with Paizo. So you can basically, every two months you can buy a sound pack, which, just, you know, as we just talked about at length before, and that'll be $12.99. But what that actually does is, is means you'll own everything we release. So in the intervening months, we might release a few other sort of locations. I'm just about to release an icy wasteland. So as long as you're a subscriber, everything we release, including those Paizo sound packs, will become yours to own forever. But the best thing is that everything we've ever released becomes unlocked for oh. you. So basically, so basically, if you, if you're a subscriber, then you've just got everything, you know. So so it's no longer a matter of trying to decide what what you, you know what you might need in the future. You can literally just look on look on your app and decide what you're going to use tonight and download that, and you've got it going. And yeah, some of the coming sound sets are. Castle sound set. Uh, I did the high seas, which is great. We've got a we've got a, a big riot, a town riot coming um, soon, which is very very exciting. Uh, obviously, the underdark and up high in the mountains, underwater would be really cool. And then we, we need we need uh, battle sets for oozes and giant insects. Oh. And a giant would be fantastic. See this, you know, if you want to have a giant go, we'll get out of my way. You know, pitch shifted, <laughs> pitch shifted right down. Then we need hell, obviously. You know. 
all, all these all these ones that I'm describing can be covered sort of by what you've got at the moment, but um, it's kind of a matter of mashing and adjusting. One thing I've discovered is, is is actually at the table you don't need to be too specific with the sound. You know, you're generally creating a, a, a basic sort of visceral, emotional, auditory reaction to the situation. You know, you don't actually want people to be focusing too much on the individual elements of the design, but basically being sort of immersed by what you say and the sound that supports it. Then we've got, a, yeah, what have we got? A royal feast I have to do. Um, wow. we've got this kind of journey sound sets. Yeah, we we don't have a desert yet. So there's yeah, there's like so much to come. And all this will, all this will just be sort of, you know, rolling out sort of over the months. And and you know, subscription for us is really fantastic. And and uh we only released it last week and we've already got a hundred subscribers, which is so fantastic. Because that gives us as a business, you know, a, a real surety. So now we're building our subscription base. We know how many people are involved in in the business and how much sort of you know turnover we can expect and uh we can we're beginning to feel far more secure in in which direction we're going so thank you to all those people and yeah i encourage everyone else to jump on board if, if you want to support this thing and help us survive <laughs> yeah that's amazing so it's great that you've got all these different pricing models it's really you can really mm. build and take the sound sets you want or if you want everything and i recommend you get everything because it's awesome uh, mm. you know, it's, it's, you have a different pricing model for, for mm. approaching that. So you don't have to go in and yeah. buy every single thing. You can use the subscription yeah. base. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. It's- and I love to hear what you have, uh, coming up. So, oh, yeah, yeah. There's some really, really, really cool teasers to come, which is really fantastic. <laughs> and, and the sci-fi, the sci-fi sound sets, people are going to really love, which is really great. We just need to get our icon and then yes. check that it doesn't explode when I run it. I'm still basically just testing on it every which device. <laughs> So yeah, it's very cool. And of course, you know, the next thing, as as I mentioned, uh, I know I haven't mentioned that, that was we were talking just before we went online. The editor is finally coming. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> barring barring catastrophe, which is always possible with um, software development, um, the editor should be done just before <laughs> uh, before Gen Con in some kind of reasonably rough version that people can beta test for us. And once we have the editor, then the whole community can start building sound sets for us and for themselves. And we kind of have visions of people will be able to share them as a part of a, a sort of a common server and all this sort of stuff. So that's that's really exciting. And then, and then you know, obviously people will make stuff just for their own night and whatever, And, and but there's going to be fantastic stuff being built that we couldn't even imagine. And, uh, yeah, the idea is that we can make that available to everyone who's, who's able to support us. So yeah, that's, that's the future. And the editor will basically give everyone the power that I have, you know, to import <laughs> sounds, to, uh, say which direction those sounds can come out. You basically, I, I get to cr- create a random sort of direction, you know, all in front or all behind or a bit off to the left or, you know, whatever. And then you can set the distance that those sounds are allowed to occur. You can control the amount of reverb, how echoey they are. Can control how frequently they come, you know, whether they're sometimes loud, sometimes soft, you know, all of those parameters of that sort of really highly randomized sound design people will be able to, to play with. <laughs> plus they'll be able to plus they'll be able to take our existing sets and import um, on their own systems the computer game music that they've ripped off the computer game that they own, <laughs> which we obviously can't supply to people on our servers because that would be highly illegal. <laughs> but um, people can easily do that. So you can, you know, bring in your Halo music into your into your sort of blaster battle on your sci-fi player, and you know, you can you can be playing with that. So that's really exciting. It's something I've talked about for a long time, but which has proved 
you know, considerably more complicated than we than, than we had anticipated. <laughs> <laughs> and software software development is always like that, I'm afraid. But um, yeah, we're, I, I've actually been playing with the editor, um, which works sort of forty percent of the time at the moment. So as soon as we make it work ninety nine percent of the time, then people can have it. <laughs> wow, wow, that's amazing. That's so. When you talk, it's funny that you said, oh, we need to talk about the future as if <laughs> you hadn't already mentioned a whole slew of things that are coming oh, yeah, up that's as right. well. <laughs> that's really funny. So it sounds like you guys are going to be hard at work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. When I'm not playing, um, which, which is good too, but um yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm the, the thing that's on the forefront of my mem- uh, ideas at the moment is is PaizoCon, which is um, uh, next week. Is it really next week? Oh my god! Wow. Yes, it is. Wow! So I'm going to be at PaizoCon next week in Seattle, uh, <laughs> jumping on a plane in Sydney and and taking you know one of the longest uh, legs in the entire world. <laughs> um, so and we'll be at GenCon after that. We have a stall at GenCon. Which is fantastic, and I'm going to be at Spiel Essen near Dusseldorf in Germany, and uh, meeting some of my fantastic German fans who I've been chatting to, and I've been I've actually studying up on my German, which I did at university, and trying to become less <laughs> slightly less appalling at my German. Of course, they can all speak English like far better than like I can. Right. right. <laughs> and uh, we're getting to go to Pax Oz again this year, so so that's so those sorts of events which I'm getting to attend are. You know, literally dreams come true, and uh, it's 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 what I'm able to do, which is really cool. And yeah, meet meet people. I actually got recognised at um, last year at, at Gen Con for being a, a dice stormer, which was hilarious. <laughs> and and we have kind of like multiplied our audience by ten since then. So uh, if if you if if you are someone who's ever watched the dice stormers, please come and say hi and and uh, pump up my ego and make me feel like I'm someone special. <laughs> <laughs> And of course, and of course, we'll be offering lots of free sounds and all that sort of stuff to people who come and visit us at the at the con. So make sure you definitely come and say hi. And um, yeah, I, I love meeting people and I love talking about characters and fantastic gaming moments and all that sort of stuff. To like any tragic gamer, <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. All of this stuff is really, really good news. So to recap, just real quick, <laughs> so <laughs> Sirenscape, uh, you guys are beginning to release your. Uh, packs your sound packs for rise of the rune lords burnt offerings is already out now you guys can go check that out where can they check that out so if you go to sirenscape.com siren is spelled s-y-r-i-n scape like the sci-fi channel or whatever uh and then yeah you can see demo videos me raving on and playing the sounds in the little store there you can then download the app on PC or Mac or Android tab or iPad and just give it a try and see whether you like it. And um, yeah, that, and you can yeah watch watch them actually being used in live play on the Dice Stormers on YouTube as well. So that's how you do that. Yeah, that's incredible. So that's one way that you guys can can definitely check this out. Or you guys have the sci-fi set that is also coming out. And what is this going to – are you allowed to talk about what the name of the sci-fi set is going to be? That's right. So there will be a sci-fi player, which is exactly the same as the fantasy player, except it's got fantastic sci-fi shiny buttons and things like that. And that will release with the same sort of two demo sound sets uh, so people can give it a total tryout and, and see the sound design. And then it will come out with just pretty much the same sort of range of products. And at the moment, yes, we're in negotiations with a couple of different companies about maybe partnering with one of those and supporting specific adventures and things. So we can't talk about that, but it will, you know, sort of similar kind of idea. We just want to support a whole lot of situations. So you can play Star Wars, or you can play Cosmic Patrol, or you can play, you know, uh, obviously Shadowrun is a, is a fantastic and, and really 
popular sci-fi game, so we're going to make sure our, our sound sets, you know, support marketplaces and aliens and blasters and, and you know, light swords and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah. So that would be uh, a really fun, and that should be out by Gen Con, hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. And you've got the editor coming, which is really huge. Mm. And, of course, mm. lots of, you know, in the far future, I'm sure we're going to see tons of sound sets. And, you know, I'm, I'm excited to get my hands on an ooze pack and underdark yeah. and things like that. So that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. People just keep bugging me. I mean, pretty much if you want something, people are there, just bug me more slightly more than anyone else. And eventually I'll go, yeah, okay. And, and, and go and build it for you. So that's kind of the way it works. You know, the person who's most annoying and insistent uh, gets what they want. And I apologize a lot because it usually takes like longer to build than I said it would. And then it comes out and they're like, yay. <laughs> the high seas, is, the high seas is just that someone said, you know, this is ridiculous. I want to play, play the, uh, they were playing crimson tide type stuff. Is that, is that the Pathfinder pirate one? Yeah, yeah I think so. Yeah. 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 And, and they wanted, they wanted, you know, um, ships and creaking rigging and blasting winds and, uh, and, pirate hars and and cannons going off and so i yeah i built that that was fantastic <laughs> yeah. I, I i have such fun i mean my my wife and kids and like if their friends come over or whatever just walk past my studio and just shake their heads in bewilderment you know <laughs> I, I, I spent half an hour the other day producing a mutant gombi as uh, mutant gombi mutant Goblin, I can't say this, I can't speak. A mutant goblin acid breath weapon sound, which is so unbelievably <laughs> disgusting. It's a, a, a monster called Coravus who's in um, the Thistle. No, he's in the Catacombs of Wrath, I think. And yeah, and I it was literally making myself sick uh, making this sound <laughs> over, over and over again until, yeah, until I felt quite queasy and had to stop. And yeah, I used it on my players the other day and they were like, oh, yeah. <laughs> So that was lots of fun. So yeah, and I'm making, you know, my kids will walk past and there's someone screaming incoherently as they're disemboweled or, or, or I'm in there sort of shouting aggressively at the microphone or, or I, I made a, I made a, um, the arrow hits in the high seas. Mm. I made by literally by bashing on my cupboard, the thunk into the wood and then, um, swooshing a stick past the microphone to make the whoosh as, as the arrow came in. And then I'm um, holding a, a ruler over the edge of a desk and going, <laughs> and uh, it makes an arrow strike sound, and, which is just hilarious. And uh, yeah, lots and lots of fun. And, and I troll, uh, troll through um, YouTube for like those those uh, videos that say how you know how they made the sound for this in this movie, you know, and all those sort of things like smacking vegetables to make punch noises and all these sorts of things are incredibly useful. So yeah. It's a very weird job, actually. To be frank, <laughs> I would uh, I would love to have you back on just to talk about the the whole process mm. of of how you do this because that to me is fascinating mm. and amazing. Yeah, yeah. Maybe so. we could break down a break down a kind of a sound set and go through because it's fascinating. Definitely talking about pitch shifting and and sort of all the distortion and all sorts of stuff you do to take you know uh, the bunyip sound was a really good example. I, I literally just sort of went oh, and then when when you hear the sound in the end. It, it really it doesn't sound anything like that at all. It sounds quite hideous and, and otherworldly. And it's literally just processing and manipulation in, in software that does that and, and experimentation. So, yeah, very, very interesting subject. <laughs> that is amazing. That's awesome. And if people mm. want to bug you personally about things, mm. where can they do that? How can they do that? Yeah. So search for Sirenscape on the Facebook or on the Twitter 
and tweet at me and you can always get in contact by benjamin at sirenscape.com which you can find those email addresses on um on on our website Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's probably the best way. And yeah, say hi and share, share. Best of all, share you know your gaming stories and what's worked for you and what was funny. And yeah, like I had a guy just raving on about how he you know terrified his you know eleven year old children and they'd sort of <laughs> spent spent a petrified hour playing playing uh, you know a role playing game with my sounds and then and 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 then said, can we do it again? Can we do it again? And that was that was fantastic. So that's really really cool. So yeah, so get in contact and. Um, yeah. Also, also spread the word. You know, like um, one of our one of our biggest things is just to get the word out there because everyone who encounters the product is really, really liking it. So um, if we can just, you know, really get the word out there and encourage people to give it a go, since it's so easy to try out, that that's a big support to us as well. That's right. Easy and free to try out. So mm. I, I definitely yeah. recommend people go check it out. It's awesome. It's amazing. Mm. Um, you know, mm-hmm. and we'll link all of the resources yeah. and all of the different ways to contact you and stuff in our show notes. Uh, so go to thetomeshow.com if you need to yeah. remember any of this and check it out there and, and we'll have you linked up. Um, Benjamin, thank you very Fantastic. much for being here. I really appreciate it. It's a pleasure. It's always, yeah, it's just such a great chat with you. It's fantastic. I'd love to come back and yeah, we can, we can maybe go into depth on sound creation or something like that. That'd be really fun. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe when the editor comes out, that'll be the best mm, way to, That's right. You know, of course. Can, yeah. This is how you can make your own sounds yeah. with the editor. So yeah, <laughs> exactly. How, how to prepare those samples so that they'll sound yeah awesome. And, and all, absolutely, especially in terms of getting a clean sample uh, getting the attack clean without any background noise and how to tail off and stuff like that. And yeah, maybe we can put some images up on, on, yeah, with, with the blog, with, with the uh, podcast entry so people can see, you know, the way you select it and all that sort of stuff. That's a great idea. Let's do that. <laughs> okay. Sounds like a plan. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> Thanks for being here today, man. Oh, pleasure. Game on. <laughs> all right, guys, where can people find you, Rudy? Hey, you can follow me on Twitter at Rudy Basso, R-U-D-Y-B-A-S-S-O. Thank you. And Andrew Kane, where can people find you? You can also find me on Twitter at Cavalier Kane. That's K-A-V-A-L-I-E-R-K-A-N-E. It's always a good time. Alex Basso, where can people find you? Nowhere. All right. Guys, if you have a question or topic you'd like to see us discuss on the roundtable, reach out to me on Twitter at James Intracasso. That's at J-A-M-E-S-I-N-T-R-O-C-A-S-O. I usually tweet at these guys, so if you find them, you can find me too. I know my last name is hard. Or if you want to have us discuss something, leave us a comment about it on the Tome Show's website, thetomeshow.com. And a quick shameless plug for me, check out my blog, which is all about Exploration Age. It's the fifth edition world I'm building for these guys to play in. It's at worldbuilderblog.me. All right, thanks for listening, and thanks to Rudy, Andrew, and Alex. Also, many thanks to Jeff Greiner for letting us join the Tome Show lineup. Our theme music, which you're listening to right now, was composed by Eric Michaels. Don't forget to go to thetomeshow.com and use the affiliate links whenever you shop on Amazon or D&D Classics to help support the show. Keep on rolling and keep on listening to The Roundtable.